All right, we're on. We're live. Cool. We're there. Okay, here we are. So we're here back in the cafe. Yeah. Time for another conversation. Coffee and conversation That's right. now. Yeah. Our favorites. So, what have you been up to since our last episode together? What have I been up to? I've been drinking more coffee again, which has been good, and uh, working in my little house in the back garden. Yeah, it's good. come along there a little. Yeah, hot, it's it? good yeah. now. It's all it's all yeah. done. I'm a little bit. So, what bit... kind of stuff do you do out there? Is that just a yoga um, studio, or is it your I office, do or all of my audio recording, video recording stuff? Yeah. So that's really nice because you know it's kind of hard to find a quiet place, especially in house with two children. Yeah. But um, because you know my husband works from home as well, right. so the one extra room in the house is usually he's there. Right. So um yeah and um so it's been good. It's been really good. And so you have you know, your you desk do, and stuff in there as well. Yeah, so you, you do, do feel office, like yeah. you're outside a little bit because yeah. there's big windows and stuff. So I used to use our caravan for that. So we had a caravan and I just run the electrics in there. It was quite nice because you could. Well, my kids were smaller and they're off from school and stuff like that. I just go into the caravan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have my little office out there. Yeah, totally. And it was just totally kind of away. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I could, I could dig that. I almost kind of want to uh, get another one just to have a... Actually, I've been, we've been eyeing up the... Um, one of these camper van thingies, the uh, bongo. The, yeah. Yeah, just get a bongo. To, for a number of things, one for camping, but also as a mobile office. There's a big, there's a CEO, a German CEO dude. Um, instead of flying places, they have a company, Bong, but they got VW, it's a German dude. Um, but that's the, and it's all kitted out, and they, instead of flying to different places, they drive. Then that way they've got their mobile office, they can walk to the stop, they can stop it. Huh. And camp on the lake and do that sort of thing to get All to right. next to the conference. So I was like, oh, that's that's quite a neat thing, you know. It's different. It's a different, yeah, a different kind of gig. You would love having a camper van. Yeah. Well, we, and um, Ruth might enjoy. I mean, I know she loves camping anyway, but yeah. there's. You know, there's nothing yeah. like actually having a warm bed, you know, when you're camping and it's off the ground. Yeah. And, I think the reason yeah. um, we were looking at the camper van business just so we could extend their camping season. Yeah. To extend it and also, because when we camp now, and actually, it's, so there's always, I know this episode isn't about camping, but we might as well carry on to that thread. Now, there's something about... Um, there's all the, you know, the prep and stuff that you do and then you have and you go and then you go out there and then the whole setup and you know yeah. which is quite a nice way of decompressing and changing from right. one place to the next but on our last camping trip we did all of that and it was all windy and crazy then our friends they have a camper van and they just they pulled in and then they're done and they're like oh come on we just we spent yeah. all that time so yeah. yeah, but I, I think mean, our I'm, main reason was to extend the season and also to mm -hmm. make it easy to say. It does make it easier to just yeah, go to because go. Yeah, all your that. stuff is already in there. Yeah. All of your like plates and cutlery and little yeah. pots and cooking equipment and all the stuff that you it, that's quite stressful in the sense that you have to remember it. It's yeah. not the like actual packing it, but like making the list, remembering all yeah. the stuff. Whereas, but yeah, you know, Ruth, it just Ruth makes is a list person, so we, everything's yeah. in boxes. So she could, she would have done well yeah. in the military. So we had a load plan. So when we do want to go, yeah. you just go and everything's it's got a little, yeah. Right. So all that stuff is good. I think it was, it was like, so for instance, if we come home tonight, I think actually let's just go to this town or a place. So we don't have the kids anymore. So we're not 
Yeah. We don't have to worry about that end. So it actually gives yeah. you more mobility, doesn't it? To just yeah. to say, well. And if you plug up to out. electrics, you can yeah. really extend yeah. the thing because you can have a little heater at night. Mm. But yeah. so we've been on the lookout for one. We've All been right. we've been actually going around and. This is us just them. mourning the end of the summer, isn't it? Because now it's cold and we're like, oh. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, well, I, 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 I like camping in the winter. I mean, Do I'll, you? Yeah, I'll go out. One of my favorite things is that morning when you wake up and it's really cold oh, and then just okay. going out and I love that. That's one of my that's one of my things that I miss from the army is one of those. Yeah. Waking up at old dark thirty is cold and you get out of the sleeper bag and you wander off into the woods. Ah, I love it. But anyway, let's get on to today's topic which is around Speaking of designing, designing your life. Your life. But this um, is a little bit of designing your life, isn't it, actually? I think it Segue is. into. I think it, it is. A, it's about designing. It, it would fit into this, this kind of sort of space. So um, the designing your life, and um, you probably have the authors and names and things written down, but it's, uh, what was the two authors that wrote the book? Um, I only know Bill Burnett. Oh, you only know Bill. I got this book here. Let me just pull it up. Um, but I, I don't even remember where I stumbled upon the book, but I've had it for a while, but I've only just gone... You know how you flick through your Kindle to see what's on it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was flicking through it, um, and then I was like, oh yeah, I remember that book. So I started to um, reread it. I love, by, that's why I love the Kindle. Oh, it's all yeah, right there. You can't, you, it's just all right there, isn't it? So it's a book called Designing Your Life. Um, build a life that works for you and it's by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans um, the thing I really liked about it and I don't know if you know a little bit more about um, design thinking which is where it comes yeah, this exactly. whole like, thing thinking. comes from but that's what got me into this was because yeah. I did the design thinking then I seen this and I thought oh let me get that because I've been stu studying the design thinking piece or wanting to use design thinking. I liked that because I think that you know sometimes it's really important to get really deep into the touchy-feely intuition, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's really good to pull a little bit back and to get a little bit impersonal about your life and sort of, um, in the sense of, of, it helps you get unstuck from your way of thinking or getting too emotional and making that be the reason why you don't try stuff because yeah. I think this whole idea that the designers have of not getting too attached to um, prototyping stuff seeing what works what doesn't you know sometimes when we're creating stuff or we're making a decision about our life we get really attached to that one option mm. and whether or not that's gonna work Whereas, you know, sometimes we need to sort of like pan out a little bit and say, well, this is just like, we're just trying this. We're just iterating to see, okay, this, we're going to try through this. This doesn't well, I think work. That what they were try kind of trying else. to point out is what is from a creative point of view, as a, and if when you read the book, it makes a distinction between the engineering and design. So I think one of them was actually you know, trained as an engineer. So they solve a, a problem. I, in fact, the one was, you know, as the engineer, was they had to make the, the hinges on the uh, MacBook, for instance, so that they did whatever they needed to do. Yeah. But it's like, that's a discrete problem. Whereas from design, they're creating stuff that doesn't exist any already. So it doesn't exist, so I'm having to create something that out of the, You're basically trying to solve a problem that doesn't that, have a solution yet. That doesn't have a the solution yet. There may be not even a problem yet, but it doesn't yeah. have any pressure. It's not discrete. So yeah. 
part of the idea about design thinking is about expanding your options and expanding um, opening your horizons horizons kind of thing. yeah so instead of closing things down you open things up and they do a good job on the from the life design bit it's about the different myths that we've been sold in terms of like I thought there was great so dysfunctional belief number one they were saying was about and we've had this conversation on one of our podcasts about the passion yeah what's your passion and everybody's chasing after I gotta find what my passion is and, and then feeling like your life is inadequate because I haven't identified what my my one passion is totally. um, and I think and it's funny from my perspective because like they were saying and I listened to his TED talk yeah. that you sent me and um that's Bill Burnett's, if anyone wants to, to look that up. But um, he was sort of saying in that that only 20% of people know, only 20% of people have a passion for yeah. when they were young. And everybody else has like a lot of things that interest them and stuff like that. So, but for me, like I think about myself being that little kid, like sitting on the side of the lake writing my poems, mm. you know, and like writing stories and that moment in second grade when like my teacher typed up on a typewriter my story you know she did this for the whole class and then she bound them with like cardboard and in the yeah. front she wrote this is Sarah's first book or something and I just I, like it's such a strong memory because it was like that was my passion that's all I ever wanted to do and I look at my life now and I'm like do I want to just be a writer yeah not really yeah you know like I really like the fact that I have more of a, you know, what they're calling portfolio careers now with like multiple things mm. that sort of feed different parts of me. So even for people who have a passion, I bet 20%, if you're saying 20% of people have a passion, I bet there's a smaller percentage of people that would actually be really happy just doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and there's some people who, you know, you're right, there'll be a smaller percent of people who, you know, the only thing that they could ever. They can't even imagine another life without it because it's so much a part of their life and who yeah. they are and that's just their thing and they don't... And then, you know, I know a few people that are like that. They, and so, and, and what they have is they're not distracted by other things because it's just the thing that they do, but they don't, don't even... You know, whereas for me, for instance, I like everything. Yeah. Um, and I hate the idea of having to have a title. I hate the idea of having to have a path. And but when I look around and everybody's chasing that, I think, well, do I need to be do? Do I need to have a thing? I was like, well, when I try that, then I hate life. When I'm able to exp just you know follow whatever my whims are, then I just so I guess that's my passion is following my various different whims. But I don't like the yeah. idea of of a, of a thing. But that was right. myth, dysfunctional belief number one. So partly they're saying you know you've got to so they have this framework. So they call it reframing. Radical collaboration, curiosity, uh, mindful of process and bias towards action. So in that video, you hear him talk a lot yeah. about reframing. So they take these dysfunctional beliefs and reframe them. Yep. And part of the reframe for this passion thing is that people have more than one thing that they love. So you can let the go way of he that, says that, that in the um, video that I really liked is that, and this is this is again like such a designer way of putting it, but really helpful I think is that passion shouldn't be the organizing principle for the way that you design your life. Yeah. So that, I thought, yeah, yeah. That, is, that is a problem with it. It's not that, um, 
you know, we shouldn't be aware of our passions or have multiple ones or, or just one, but that, that doesn't always have to be the main thing that we center everything else around, yeah. which is the myth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like to in that opening bit where he says, "No plan for life will survive first contact with reality." Yeah, I, I like that. That quote was pretty good. Yeah. we had the same similar thing in the military where, we're, like, we you know we're big on plans. I don't think we're like really or orderly. I mean, we do make the plans, but the whole thing is exactly at that. We say, as soon as you cross the line of departure, you can throw the plan out the window because the enemy never does what you want him to do. Anyway, the planning helps you to organize your brain and you know maybe. Yeah. think of scenarios, scenarios but it's not something to follow slavishly once you right. once you get moving dysfunction number two dysfunctional belief number two uh, is that you should know where you're going by now and how to get there and basically we're saying by that is that if you're still thinking about what do i want to do when i grow up in quotation marks then people will you know will maybe give you a hard time and say well if you don't know by now, what have you been doing? It's like, you know, it's that stigma yeah. that yeah. if you're still searching for something, um, that you've and gone wrong somewhere. I really think it, we're at this cusp of like, we've seen such a big change of our lifetime with technology, with society, with the way that people are communicating with each other, relating with the way that careers work and mm. stuff. But I think that there's still, you know, if you look at um, like the baby boomer generation and stuff, who are all nearing retirement, if not already retired. But their, their narrative from that time is still incredibly strong. That's the narrative that's still dominating. And that's where that comes from, I feel like. Like, you should yeah. know by now. Yeah. That, that well, like, because it was more written then. It was like, get well, out, marry, go to university, get the job, stand a job for 30 years, and there was also, get the wife and the kids, and all that jazz was yeah, the narrative. And I think it? that, you know, there was also very much an assumption, like a a system that supported that that doesn't exist anymore like companies that will serve it there yeah who'd their, like to live be there for 30 years right that's and, and, idea. and now they want to move it on every seven seven years seven to eight years or getting kicked be, out or you need to be when GE was famous for that it was like up or out so if you 18 months if you weren't moving up the chain then they think well you must be slacking Right. So then, you know, you're on your improvement plan, <laughs> right. even though you're good at doing what you're doing, um, right. or you're moving out right. kind right. of thing, which kind of sucks. And you know what? So this book is, um, I laughed when I read the very first chapter and the very first, because I give like three avatars mm -hmm. and the very first one could be my daughter, basically. Okay. So it opens with about, I forget who the avatar's name is, but anyway, she loved rocks when she was a kid, and that's all she ever, you know, she loved being outdoors, loved rocks and collecting them. So okay. at uni, she thought, well, that's the thing to do is to study to be a geologist, yeah. which she did do, and she did really well. And then she moved back home, and what did anything to do with geology? Didn't want to be a geologist, but her parents were thinking, oh, we paid all that money. They kept wondering, okay, well, when is she gonna go get the job as a geologist? We paid all this money for her to go to uni to be a geologist, and. And now she's not doing any of that. This is your daughter's uh, friend. No, no, this, this is, is your... in the book. Oh, in the book. This is the oh, book, yes. Right. But what made me laugh is my daughter is in exactly the same position as when she went, studied neuroscience. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, 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 yeah. And now she's graduated, wants nothing to do with neuroscience, and then trying to figure out her life. But I bought her this book because I think there's, again, as you say, the narrative, the meta-narrative of these guys call it thin, would be 
You know, because essentially, because she doesn't want to do neuroscience now, she's essentially starting from the bottom on whatever she's yeah. gonna go do. Um, but the pressure to think, okay, well, I did spend all that time, but I don't want to go into that. And they, you know, they argue against not just falling in line with that. So the three examples that they give is someone that did fall in line. They say, yeah, I did it, and I've gone, they're successful, they've got the kids, they're all married, but the lady's just got a really good job, but she used to just stop before getting home and just cry in her car. She was really unhappy, even though on the surface had everything, I think was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Had all the stuff, the degrees, the family, all of it, but was extremely unhappy. Yeah. Um, and then I think the third avatar was a person that quit, like I did here, you know, to quit the job, started a bar, bar or a, a cafe type thing, was actually quite a successful one, but hated life still because yeah. of the other bits of running the... So the when he, what, if I'm remembering the to- that part of the talk, I think what what they were saying is action, you, that, that like you have, not, not action is the wrong word, um, like trying things out or talking to other people. Yeah, so that's how that massive, that radical collaboration and... Asking other people what this is actually like. I've, yeah. I've said, I've thought about this a lot and about, about university because I do feel like one of the things that's really lacking in the conversation when you're trying to choose what you want to do hmm. at university is what does the job require of you from your life? You know, yeah. so so I always loved school. I always loved teaching. I thought I wanted to be an academic. It seemed like a totally perfect fit for me. But I didn't actually, so I looked at like what the job entailed because that's what you do, isn't it? It's like, okay, well you teach and you have like, you know, you organize your own schedule to a certain extent. I'm really self-motivated, so that really suits me. And, you know, all all of this stuff, I love writing. But one of the things that it really requires of you is to to just go anywhere because in any field, there's only certain jobs Hmm. in any one year. And you just have to apply to North America, you know, England, Australia, maybe if you're, yeah, if yeah. you're, you know, Canada, whatever. And whatever job you get, you have to just bring your whole family there, like in the middle of Kentucky, in the middle of, you know, Alberta, like wherever. Like the army. <laughs> well, exactly. So these are the kind of things that, like, I think you have to, like, think about when you're picking your job. And are you willing to accept all of the yeah. ramifications of that job, in a way? Yeah, well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, because sometimes we make these decisions without actually knowing... Um, and we make a complete commitment and jump into it, whereas he's saying the prototype, and that's where the, the link with prototyping is. Well, I'll actually start very small, start by finding another person who's, who's, doing, what who's, doing. who's doing what you did and have walked a similar path. So for our guy here, you know, to find another person that, you know, used to work at a restaurant, quit and started one. Because he called it living your future. It's like there's someone out there, all these people out here who are living your future. You know what I think that sometimes we do too in those conversations is we ask the wrong questions. We ask, what do you have to do to get there? You know, like what do I need to do? Because the assumption already is that you definitely want to do it. Whereas instead, I think what they're saying is ask questions like, what is it like? What surprised you about it? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? What are the hard things about it? What are, do you know, like yeah, all yeah. of those things so you I get the a, whole range. I had a pretty forward-thinking mentor when I came out of the army when I was coming out. This guy named Joseph Ebert. Um, and one of the things he made me do 
when I was applying to, wanted to be a financial consultant was exactly that. He gave me five names of people uh, in all different levels in different parts of the country. It was like, call them and, you know, and have a conversation of like, what it's really like and what would they do different if they were starting again? And yeah. you know, what is the job demand? Because basically he wanted to be pretty sure that you know, this is what you want to do. And, Meryl had a process of also that you had to come in and do the job for like three days. I don't pay. Just again, you know, this is what you're signing up for, what it's like. You know, so you go and you experience it. Um, and then, yeah, and they had me contact these you know, different people who were, you know, successful already in, in the field. But um, what was it? Yeah, that kind and of I thing. Think, What's you know, it the, really like? The um, course I took over the summer um, with a woman called Kathy Heller. Um, she she's really big on this too. Like you know, and she's sort of running a podcast and running her business about um, helping people who want to turn their creative passion into like their their business. Hmm. But sometimes, you know, we have this idea like we love this thing like knitting or baking or whatever it is. But then you, the realities of actually turning that into a business take away all the joy from it. Yeah. Or there's different ways of doing the same, like there's different things that you could do with knitting. So it's sort of like, go try things out. If you have a day job, go try it out. Go, you know, go to do more of the classes that you think you might be interested in and just see what, what it's like. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, she always says like clarity comes from action. I think that is very yeah, true. There's nothing that you can really yeah. do more to make things more clear than yeah. just actually go do the thing to do the thing and, and Tony Robbins um, talks a little, little bit around um, also think about like you were just saying think about the underlying thing it gives you because you while you might think I want to go be a barber actually thing you get out of it is these sets of characteristics right. and can you have those characteristics elsewhere else. yeah. or does it ha ha you know it doesn't have to be yeah. again so it expands one it gets you to be the self-awareness and understand why you want to do the thing yeah. and what's the underlying characteristic because if you went to be a barber and then it actually doesn't have the thing that you're after then being a barber is the thing that you're at you know you won't yeah. you still be unhappy I, so, think, so, I think yeah. this is really true, not only of our work stuff, but lots of areas of our life, you know, and like we can get... Well, yeah, well, this is why it's called designing yeah, your life. Exactly. It's not just necessarily I, work, I think but, yeah. that, like, you know, we get to a point, too, where, um, you know, we think it's too late to start a new hobby mm. or to, you know... Start a new job, new career. Or you think about... A new life, completely. Yeah, there was someone recently that I can't remember what they were like who it was that was talking about like their goals for their relationship maybe it was Tony Robbins actually in this conversation I was listening to mm. on, with um, Marie Forleo I think that's what it was where he was like you know having a plan also or a kind of vision I think it was his word for your relationships you know whether that's your partner your friendships like do you have a thought process around how you want those to be, your kids, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I think, actually, I was just thinking about this, like, before, you know, we met up this morning. I was like, you know, if you go back a couple generations to the, the point where you really didn't have much of a choice about what you did as your work, you know. Yeah, like, you, you were part of a tribe <laughs> or you were, you were a yeah. from farming family yeah. or whatever, and you just, you knew what you were going to do, but also... Oh. I think we gained our meaning 
from a lot of other things and yeah. that work was like integrated into life so you were also working with your family you were working with your community like you know and so and there was a lot more I think time for you know in some ways spiritual practice was much more commonplace like you know there were there were just other things I think whereas now we're ve we're so very career focused and we also have so many more choices that I think also we need to sort of accept that the the changes has meant that there's been a detrimental impact I think sometimes on our relationships because we're so career focused that we're not actually like I think there's there's sort of because of the way things are going now we sort of need to be more intentional about everything mm. I don't know if that makes any sense but yeah and maybe well yeah it makes sense as we're more intentional about everything um, and to some degree, I think that that's where the detriment to me comes from, I think, as in we're wanting everything to, we want to be in control of everything as opposed to letting life happen, as in I need to be intentional about the job I choose, the partner I choose, and think about how, you know, talk about the divorce rate being so high, because before it was, well, you need to make the marriage work because... That's what it is, right. yeah. Now it's like, it's like anything else, you don't like it, well, this is disposable, so I don't have to commit to making it work I don't like it so I, and then I just get rid of it it's just yeah. like I would go buy a different product in this in the shop I, but I think there's so many things you know I think about like I was talking to a woman the other day who was talking about how hard it is to get her family to sit down to dinner because mm. everybody's doing you know she's got teenagers stuff, yeah. there's so many people doing stuff and I think that there are like pressures now that we're dealing with in contemporary life that the system was just in place in previous generations where those things just happened naturally. And I think you could just sort of like, there were downsides to that, I'm sure, but the sort of positive side was that you didn't have to be as intentional about stuff because certain things just happened, you know, mm. like, whereas now if you're not intentional about certain things, I think, you know, you don't spend time with your kids sometimes and that, that you know, or you don't, you know, you have to sort of, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I'm sort of thinking yeah, through this yeah. on the fly, but no, no, you know. I can't say it's like if we don't make time for it, there's there's so many other things that are sucking your time and attention yeah. that if I don't make time for it, then it doesn't happen. So if I want to see my family and the kids and like can get us all in one room, if I don't say dinner's going to be at this time, it's going to be on the table and get, then we're all over the place. Nobody yeah. comes. So, yeah. be, and that's you know again partly it's just because there's so much going on. Yeah. Whereas maybe before there was less going on, so it it happened a little nat more natural probably yeah. still was always you know you still I don't want to get into the like so this is so much better so much you no know, I don't but, think but, it was but that but it's to just the dynamics have kind of changed yeah. haven't it yeah so um, and you were kind of pointing out because he does talk about this whole meaning in the life thing because again one of the things that he talked about was um, one of the things that we're after is we want a life that is meaningful and so they talk about this connecting the dots and to do that there's sort of three things that you've got, what you believe, what you do, and who you are, and you're trying to connect those dots up. So as you're thinking through these designing of your life, make those dots connect, and then you'll, by not by default, but if you get those things to connect, then your life has, um, is you have a meaningful life. Um, we talked about this idea number two was gravity problem. So this is now removed out of dysfunctional beliefs, but he was giving some ideas about how to design a life. And then the second one was that 
Um, and this comes back to the stoicism, you know, accept that there's some things that you cannot change. Yeah. And he was saying in terms of problems, if it's not actionable, then it's not a problem, it's a circumstance. Um, so if you don't want to solve this problem, yeah. then... Well, see, I really liked this one because I can really, I have so many examples in my personal life that I can relate to with this. And some of this is like, one of the examples he had was like, if you're upset about the fact that you work for a company that's a family run business, yeah. the last name <laughs> is on the you know thing and only a member of the family can be president and you want to move up the chain and become like CEO president one day and you can't, well, that's... That's it's right. A that's problem. a gravity it's problem. A, a that's a that's a yeah. circumstance, and you need to like just accept that and Go like figure out what you want to do about it. Yeah. But I think that one of the other things he was saying is that there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily gravity problems that we take as gravity problems. Yeah. So one of the examples he gave was like, he was so funny. It's like I know it's not us, not 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 any of us, but we all have a friend who, you know, sits down at the coffee shop with you and is like, or at the, you know, bar with the drink or whatever, and is like telling you all their problems. And every week, every month, every year, it's the same problem. They don't like their partner, and their, their partner's got these issues, or they don't like their job, or they don't like this, and they don't like that. And, and he was saying, which I thought was actually a really amazing thing, you can't solve a problem that you're not willing to have. Yeah. So when, yeah. when you're accepting things as circumstances and you're just complaining about them, but you're not sort of... You don't want to do anything about it, basically. Well, yeah, I think that's what I took from that. As in, yeah. So it's not a problem because... But, there, but people yeah. sort of, I do think that there is like... Okay, we'll have some more. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that... Um, it's one of those things where we can, it, it's not that people aren't taking that as a problem because they're still complaining about it to you all the time as if it is a problem. But, you know, I just, it's, um, so I've lost a little bit of my train of thought, but it's like, you know, they're not, this is what it is, they're not taking 100% responsibility for their life. And I think this has been another thing that's sort of been in my mind more recently. Is like, what does it mean to take 100% responsibility for your life? It doesn't mean that you're like taking control of everything at all, but you're, you are accepting responsibility for how you feel and your attitude towards everything. And yeah. if you can change it, you're going to change it. And if you can't change it, you're going to change your attitude about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. then, but, and I think that what he's sort of hinting at there is you're stuck. If you're seeing things as a gravity problem and you don't want to make, and, and there is, you're seeing them as a circumstance rather than a problem you can solve, then you're never going to solve it. You're just yeah. going to be stuck there. Because it comes back, I mean, it's because, I mean, it's, I mean, Tony Robbins is, it's just a pleasure playing thing. So it's the same concept as in you're not going to do anything about it until the pain becomes so much that now actually I want to do something about it. And then yeah. you'll start taking steps. Otherwise, you, you'll keep having it. And I think we've talked about this in the past as well. Like some people, I know that I can't coach them because actually they still want to hang on to the problem. Yeah. They don't want to change yet, yeah. which is fine because the problem's given them something. Right. Um, and so there's no matter what you tell them, no matter logic, no matter showing, no matter here it is the thing that you want, they'll still hang on to the problem because they get something else out of it. Yeah. So for them, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, nothing's going to happen until they're ready 
to yeah, yeah. have the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I liked in here was this, and, and I don't know if we, we outlined some things at the top, but to talk about the design thinking process um, in the design uh, fashion is accept, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. So um, this is an idea behind human-centered design. So everything is about solving human problems. I think about the human that's on the other end of this, this problem. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, idea number three was this idea about uh, how many lives are, oh, it was the, oh, we missed a big myth. This functional belief number three, go back to that one, because I think this is important, because yeah. you see it everywhere. Yeah. This idea about being the best version of yourself. And I'm, I was being, I'm guilty of pushing that, you know, be the best version of yourself um, mantra out there. Um, and what they're saying about that is dysfunctional because, you know, there is more than one best self of you. <laughs> and what is a best? Um, are you sure that this is the one best life and are you worried that you're settling as the two things that are out there? I think it just takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off that there's one right decision to make and all the other decisions mm. that you're going to make are going to be the wrong decision. And then if that's the case, that's really scary because mm. it's, you know, if there's only one right one and an infinite number of wrong ones, it's quite easy to find, you know, miss well, the needle in the haystack, you know, it's like, what is, whereas if you kind of open it out to be like, there's a lot of possibilities that will create a best version of you, yeah. you know, what feels like a great version of you. And you know what, what I like about um, the whole sort of design thinking bit is that you, is the action bit, but fail and fail faster. As in, don't okay. be okay. Don't be okay with failing, and fail often and fast. Because it means you're trying things out, you're testing things, and in that testing of things, then you'll find your way to the answer that that you're after. I had I had such a rant at my kids the other day, and I probably shouldn't even go here because it's like been one of my things. But I heard this really good quote that has really stuck with me, which is that the path to success is failure. Mm -hmm. Like there is no other way of getting to success unless you're willing to fail like a bunch of times along the way, because that is the path. And you know, my son, uh, my older son is a bit more um, intense about things, needing things to be the way that he thought that they were gonna go. And yeah. he really struggles if it doesn't go that way sometimes. And um, you know, not winning is just, you know, so, so he and um, he's wanted to start learning to play chess with my husband, but every time he starts learning and he loses a pawn, he kind of goes into complete meltdown, yeah. you know, yeah, and it's those. like this, <laughs> this thing where it's like, you know, I worry for him because like, I know how much resilience you have to have in life to not take failure personally. And I look around me at like all of my friends and all the people that I know and the people that are really like, you know, having what I see is like what we might call is a well-designed life, yeah. like a really successful because they are happy doing what they're doing. It are the people who are good at failing. They're not the people that are good at succeeding. And that's like a real myth in our culture, I think. It's like, you know, you have to be good at winning like hashtag winning mm. and it's like no we need to be good at failing failing like we need to equate failing just as learning and not 
get all worked up about it and then go into the hole about it and never try anything else again and stuff because like you'll never get there. Yeah. So I think yeah, and I and I guess my caveat to that is 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 that you have to have the right mindset towards failure. So it's more about how you look at failure. So, yeah. so you know, some people it can be so they fear it. Yeah. So they don't try, they don't do anything because of the yeah. fear. Um, and it cripples them. Yeah. Versus if you have the right attitude towards it, as in it means you're doing something. I kind of feel like we just need to get rid of the word failure altogether. Like, just get rid of it from our vocabulary. Like, it's not a very useful word. Yeah, it's not It's not a very useful word. And, and then a lot of times what we do for a reframe on that is to, to say it's not failure, but it's feedback. As yeah. In, you know, and you take it and use what's useful and disregard the stuff that's not useful yep. and carry on. Yep. And But you have a school system that has a grading system that has a thing that ranks you with failure. Yeah. Um, we have KPIs and matrices that make standards. Of, so it's ingrained in the way that we measure things to say success. Even with our goals, you know, your goal is here. If I don't meet the goal, then I fail. But then you're in your head. I didn't attain this thing, but I think what we're saying here is that yeah, mindset has to be like Edison's and the whole that whole story around his uh, the light bulb and mm. being always another, being, yeah, yeah, what is yeah, I find another way to do it. Like all work. the different I was like yeah, hundreds was like of hundred different times. filaments. It's like ninety nine times he failed at this thing and this reporter was asking, I said, No, I didn't fail. I found out I figured out ninety nine ways on how not to invent the light bulb. Yeah, um, it's the thing. But yes, yeah, so, ninety-nine things that didn't work. It always yeah. reminds me yeah. also of that um, that sort of motivational speech with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he is like reminiscing about like his early years yeah, in yeah. the bodybuilding kind yeah. of world and how people couldn't believe that he, how dedicated he was at going to the gym. And he was like, every time I do a rep. I'm one step closer to my goal. Yeah. And it's like, I've sort of tried to keep that in mind with like my own, um, you know, mindset and perspective. Like every time something doesn't go the way you thought it was gonna go, which is just another way of saying you've like failed or yeah. you just don't. That didn't work. Yeah, that didn't <laughs> work. Right, yeah. You're like, I know I'm, I'm one step closer. Because yeah. nobody gets to their goal like on this perfectly paved linear path. It's not a Never. Line, it, yeah. That's not anybody's path. Yeah. So you have to be willing to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Because okay. one of the things for me, I think, is um, like I'm this design thinking works perfect for me because I tend to not overthink things. It's like, well, just try it, and then they'll see if it works or not. I mean, it does. You do. You know, there's loads of projects that I haven't finished or done. But yeah, you know, you could look at it and say, well, actually, if you had to just sit down and thought through it and figure out all the things, it's like, oh, you know what, I'll figure it out by just go, yeah. and then you'll figure it out along the way, which I'm quite sort of, you know, happy with. Um, I think that's, there's only two other things that was on here, and this idea, well, we talked about the prototype, and then we kind of hit on that one, which is, you know, don't, you know, don't go and, you know, so you want to be a, 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 a I don't know, a bartender, for instance, don't go quit your job and become a bartender. Prototype, do something small, go find that person that is a bartender. Or take a weekend do, job. Take a weekend yeah. job, try, you know. <clears throat> so just yeah. do the things to test it out. Yeah. And then keep refining, keep refining. And, and that, you know, again, like we're mostly it. talking career wise, but like if we mm. think about, you know, the kids, like I think 
you know, one of the things that's come up for me that I want to think about in the new year is, um, and I know we'll have our usual sort of roundup next month, I guess, about what we're sort of looking forward to. But, you know, I think for me, having two sons and who, two sons who are really quite close at the moment, they're like super best buddies, which is so lovely, but it often means that I don't get a look in. You know, and so I think about, like, my childhood growing up and, like, I was super chatty with my mom. I told Mm. my mom sort of loads of stuff about what I was thinking about or whatever. And I don't have that with the boys. And, I mean, that's fine. But, you know, thinking about designing your life, I think part of it is, like, looking at the situation and being like, well, maybe I need to think about um, options to do with the kids. And instead of thinking, what is the one thing that I can do with them? And then we go out and then they don't like it or they complain the whole time. And then I get upset because yeah. this is the one thing that I wanted to do with you. And oh, yeah. you know, that, that could be easily how it goes. Yeah. Whereas what he's sort of saying, like prototype stuff is like, try a bunch of stuff. Don't put too much pressure on any one thing. Yeah. Try bike rides. Try you know, maybe doing one thing with one of them and one thing with another one instead of together, like, you know, so I think that's sort of what I'm thinking about. Um, I think this is why, like I said, this is why I said, uh, this is how design thinking came into into my mind, not just this book and what they've done uh, by applying the process to design in their life, but just design Mm -hmm. thinking as a methodology um, is something that's interested me for a while, hence why this book, and I've got a few other ones on design thinking as well but just this idea of yeah do try iterate prototype take the pressure off of finding the one thing yeah just kind of go and you know make it up as you go along and just keep refining as as you as you as you need to go and the army we had what we called the one-third two-thirds rule again it was you could spend all the time planning but then you know, stuff's not happening. So for us right. as a leader, you only use one, you only use one third of the time for doing that Planning. leading bit. Um, Two thirds of it is doing, getting ready, prepping. So for us, we would give what we call a warning order. So you've got the basics. It's going to happen tomorrow at this time. Enemy looks like this, go. Then we would go do some more refine planning, but it allows your troops to get on with doing stuff that they know they've got to do anyway. Um, but then you just, you just kind of roll with it that way so it's the iterative process and then you're just taking intel in to keep shifting off of the plan because nothing's ever going to be perfect Um, and if you're waiting around for the perfect thing then there's inertia and nothing's happening I think the same in life it's like you know like I'm getting ready to do some stuff on the the, um, digital learning Mm-hmm. and start a new blog. Now I could sit down and say, all right, I want to find out what the logo's like and get the yeah. color with all the scheme, but that's not how I work. For me, it's going to be, I'm not even going to bother buying a domain name. It's going to go right on the wordpress.com, boom, and start. Because yep. then I can, you know, I can always later on export whatever. Com- yeah, so for yeah. me, it's like, boom, and the process becomes part of the end product. Yeah, 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 totally. um, And, you know, I think that, um, again, just like getting rid of that word failure, because it, you know, I think it's been quite a good thought exercise for me to just 
re-question some of the things. So, you know, for instance, just thinking through a process of like, how often have you done something that you thought you were going to hate or you just weren't into? And then you were like, oh my gosh, this is great. Hmm. Whether you, it's trying a new food or trying a new experience or going to a new place or whatever. And how many times have you, ex have, have in your life, have you expected to do something and, and thought you were going to really love it, whether that's a job or a, a partner and, <laughs> and then actually you're like this is wow I really thought I was gonna like this I really thought you know mm. this was gonna be the thing and it I didn't yeah. yeah so I'll leave I you just, with this last thing here and I did this video you just sort of kind of looked at a little bit just before we started mm -hmm. and basically all I was saying in that video was is because we're talking about perspective here and how you look at things yeah. and so there's that saying that how will you ever get if you don't know where you're going how will you ever get there right flip it on its head, the best way to get to somewhere you've never been, not knowing where you're going is the best way to get to some place you've never been. Yeah, right. So yeah, right, all right, interesting. Yeah. Um, so yes, so good, cool. that's design thinking. Put some more of that into into play, and if folks are interested in it, um, again, if you just Google uh, design, designing your life, in fact, he's got a website as well, so designing your life, um, and what was the book again? Just a yeah, I think of the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the book, if you're into it, it's called Designing Your Life: Build the Perfect Career Step by Step. Is Bill Barnett and Dave Evans. But it, I know it, as you say, it seems to focus on careers. But I think it's the the mindset. The process can be used for anything. Yeah, I it think. can be used yeah. for because sometimes that we just need doing. hobbies. You know, yeah. sometimes we need. New friends, we need to yeah. meet new people, yeah. you know, all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, because you said, maybe we can do an episode on this if, if you figure. You just said hobby, because um, I'm doing this blogging, indie blogging mm -hmm. thing, and we're doing this blogging challenge. But one of the things I send out to the guys when we're going into it is to be amateurs. And if you remember what amateur really was, it's people who really love a thing to the point that they, they throw their whole self into it. Okay, um, without payment. Without payment, they're not getting paid for it, but it's the, the love of finding the thing, which is the true meaning of amateur, whereas, you know, it's kind of devolves into amateur meaning you're no good because you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're not pro. But it was to approach this thing as amateurs. Yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it's good. All right. Cool.